You know, I think I'm willing to die on a new hill today. New hill just dropped. I definitely think that 10, 15 years ago, we used to get more food than we do now. I don't know if you know about this place called Cluck You Chicken, but in Annapolis, there used to be a spot. It was a chicken spot. You could get like, you know, chicken wings and fried chicken and stuff. I think for a total of like $20, you could get a bucket of fried chicken or chicken wings, a bucket of like hush puppies and like like a one side or two sides. And that chicken used to be like bomb. And nowadays you go to like these like fancy chicken spots, like you spend $20 on like only a sandwich. Like I, I think back then we used to get more food for our buck than we do now. For your cluck. For our cluck. All right, here's another piece of evidence. Whatever happened to the five dollar foot long at Subway? It's not five dollars. It's, it's gone. It's I have, I have gone. an insider. I have insider knowledge on that. It's actually six dollars <laughs> now. After your main PR guy got ousted for being a pedophile, why would you also <laughs> remove the five dollar subs? Yeah. Subway, reach out to me for some brand management. I got you covered. Right. At least you guys kept your cookies, so you're, that, that's your saving grace. Straight up, insomnia cookies bad. Crumble cookies bad. Subway cookies excellent. Yeah. That's their saving grace. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back for episode 41 of Hot Pocket. This is Sherry R. This is Saad, and we're bringing some dire news from our motherland. Yes, sad news in most of our opinions. Troubles a-brewing. Mr. Khan is out. Not for a stroll, but he's lost his position as prime minister. He's not he's going to a bowl. Yeah, he's not He's not, know, on not the pitch. a bowl, but like a you know, cricket bowl. Cricket bowl. He's not out there walking the pitch. He's actually back home sitting on his butt now. This is going to be a shorter episode, just straight up. Yeah. I don't think this is going to be more than 30. Yeah. Tops. It's all fake news. It's phony stuff. It didn't happen. Frankly, we don't know that much. Yeah. But we know enough to add input. We're going to talk about the no confidence vote and Imran Khan getting ousted from the prime minister seat in Pakistan. Yeah. If you don't know, no confidence vote was drafted by the House in March, I think. Mm-hmm. And the vote just happened. And so there are 342 members of the House, I think. Mm-hmm. So you need a majority. A majority of 342 is 172 because 171 is exactly half. Yeah. So you need just over that. Okay, 172. This man's been ousted. How many people do you think voted to get him out if 172 is a bare minimum? I mean, if this is the situation, it has to be a lot, right? It's got to like, be like 300. It, yeah, right? like easily should be ousted. 174 people voted to oust him. Yeah. Let me, let me throw in a caveat. When they brought this no no confidence vote last week, Imran Khan called for an early vote for like the next election. Yeah. And then they took it to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court was like, like, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. And then also the Supreme Court even sent police vans to the houses, not their like actual houses, but like the congressional houses saying that they have to vote on no confidence or else like yeah. we're going to lock you up. Uh, so the reasons cited for why the House wanted him out were high debt, inflation, and general like incompetence and corruption and uh, allegations of like targeted harassment and targeted political opposition. Yes. Uh, some of those maybe hold true in some regards. Some of them maybe not. Most likely, Shabazz Sharif, the opposition leader, is most likely going to take over now as prime minister. And uh, <laughs> this is so fucking goofy. Shabazz Sharif... 
you might know, recognize the last name if you are of the South Asian descent. Yeah. He is a younger brother of Nawaz Sharif, who yeah. was three-time prime minister of Pakistan and aficionado in all things corrupts. Yeah. L- I mean, just the fact that his net worth is over a billion dollars yeah. should let you know how corrupt he is. Uh, a ruler of a head of state is worth over a billion dollars. Yeah. Nawaz Sharif is currently in London in exile because in 2017, he got ousted because of his uh, some... Findings from the Panama Papers. I mean, if y'all remember the Panama Papers, that uh, was about how the world's elites have shell companies and how they've been dealing with their money in abroad and hiding it within Panama. I mean, Panama was like the headquarters for a lot of these shell companies. But also, I also heard that um, the the lead journalist on Panama Papers also got like blown up in a car bomb. What? Or like one of them did. Yeah. After after it was released, I mean, I of believe course, it. of course, it I did. Believe of course, it. It. listen, it did. we're we're putting on our tin hats this episode. Oh yeah. Major uh, 10 half. But the, the point I was going to make that's kind of goofy is that Shabazz Sharif's party is called the PLMN, PLM-N. N. And so it stands for Pakistan Muslim League, which already tells you it's a very like right-wing religious yeah. party. What do you think the N, at dash N stands for? Nawaz? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this man has his own party, man. Bro, how corrupt you got to be to have a party named after you? Yeah, it's not even like a PTI or PPP, like People's Party, and this just, no, I want my name in there. No. Yeah, so Zerba Sharif is heading the party that's named after his older brother. Yeah. So, you know, it sucks. You can't ever escape your older bro's shadow. Uh, so let's talk about Imran Khan, the man, the myth, the legend, the uh, not anymore prime minister. Yeah. A lot of people know Imran from, what, his cricket career, yeah. right? In 1992, this man won Pakistan's maiden World Cup gold victory. It's only victory. Pakistan has gone back. I'm, I'm a sports guy, so I can talk about how like Pakistan lost to India, what, the last World Cup in the final after beating Australia and going on this crazy run. That's not the point, though. So he's basically a Hall of Fame cricketer who began his career basically building hospitals, right? He really wanted to advance the cancer research and cancer hospitals in Pakistan. I think it's one of his first ones were in Lahore and Peshawar. That's where his, um, I think that's where his family background is from. Like Peshawar, I think his parents are from. Uh, he was maybe- born in Lahore. His dad is... I'm assuming he's from Peshawar. Yeah, so he has family ties in those two cities. That's where he started his efforts after being such a world superstar, right? Like, Pakistan won his first World Cup. This man's coming back. He's, you know, really, really trying to change the country, change it for the better, and actually does care for the people. And that's what's super apparent. So in 1996, he actually ended up finding the PTI party, which is the Pakistan Tariq Insaf party, uh, which just means, I guess, like, justice for pakistan like yes. from corruption so that was his major talking point was to rid pakistan of corruption and that's what he ran on for the rest of that time for the rest of the 15 10 15 years he started making his political career based on trying to out you know corruption in politics uh, and then he end, actually ended up winning the prime minister's seat in 2018 after ousting shahid abasi who was the replacement for said nawaz sharif yeah uh, he was basically, after Nawaz Sharif was ousted, after the Panama Papers came out, Shahid Abbasi came in after him just to kind of finish up the term for was, his party. He was part of the same party. So he was part of the same party. He finished up the term. Imran Khan took over after that. And so, this obviously, we've hit 2022. Imran Khan served about four years. Yeah. The term limit for a prime minister currently, I don't know if this has always been the case, in Pakistan is five years. Yes. Uh, so Pakistan was what, founded in 1947? Yeah, it's like... Seven, Seventy-eight, no, 80, almost eighty years. Eighty years, yeah, almost. Yeah. No prime minister has ever finished a term yeah. in Pakistan. Either they've been ousted for corruption, or they've been shot in the head or hung. 
Or no confidence. You know, <laughs> frankly, Amran, you kind of got it off easy. It pretty much. Yeah, yeah. They, they know, got that's one, that's one sentiment that I've been seeing around, like, social media and everywhere else, uh, especially from, like, the younger generation, is that they're saying that uh, Imran Khan is the first prime minister to be ousted, not on corruption charges, not on, like, anything illegal, but just on, like, staying true to, like, what he fully believes yeah. in. Maybe if you don't agree with what he believes in, but the fact that in the past 20, 30 years that he's the first prime minister to be ousted without that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. I think says what you need to know. So what did he run on uh, in the lead up to actually getting these seats? Well, he ran on, obviously, anti-corruption. That was the whole point of the PTI party. Yeah. Enlarging the social safety net, cutting defense spending to a point. Yeah, because uh, Pakistan does have a problem with running, especially in, with the IMF, the International Monetary Fund. Mm -hmm. They've taken a lot of loans from the IMF, haven't been able to pay them back. Not necessarily because of like a malicious thing. It's like literally Pakistan's economy is garbage. Yeah. Uh, so in order to help deal with that, one of the areas where Imran Khan cut was defense spending, which um, is kind of key yeah, for that, things later on. That that's an important one. Uh, but one of the examples of that is during COVID, uh, they had a fairly solid and robust plan to deal with it. They had cash payments and infusions. You know, imagine those stimmy, those stimmy checks right. that we got. And they also had uh, some level of like enlarged unemployment insurance. So, I mean, this is a crude comparison. I don't ever like making like, oh, this person is the ex of this country. People often like to say, like, oh, Imran Khan is like, what would have happened if Bernie Sanders won? Yeah. Which, in some regards, like, I it makes sense. Like, that's an easy way to understand it, right? Like, more money for poor people to kind of bolster up the back class and also, like, taxing more heavily on the rich people, which yeah. is also clearly why a lot of the political establishment doesn't like him. Yeah, and I, I can speak from, like, boots on the ground. Like, my family in Pakistan, they were like, and when Imran Khan came into power... Within the first year or so, they were there was a large effort to get the youth of Pakistan employed. Mm -hmm. He created so many. He tried to create as many jobs as he could, and actually tried to like put in facilities to help younger people get on the way of getting employed. Yeah, and there were like long lines. My cousins were telling me it was like there's at this this center and this center. Like there's like people trying to line up and like have resumes and stuff. So there was like he was actually trying to change it from for the future. Mm -hmm. Not for now, but for the future. You know, populist is the term that gets thrown around a lot. Yeah. And that is uh, arguably one of the things where he might have had a misstep. Mm -hmm. uh, he was so focused on the anti-corruption crusade that I think the the actual number of like legislative assemblies or, or convenings that happened under his tenure was like he was present for like about 10% of them. Yeah. There was, there was a problem apparently of legislative action not being as heavy as it could be mm -hmm. and because of the focus on the um corruption now granted i don't know the makeup of the house of the senate of the parliament like if realistically he could have even passed anything but it does seem to be a common thing where maybe some of the energy was a little directed too much in that direction when maybe some people's needs weren't immediately being met, even though he did make efforts to meet them, obviously. Yeah, but I guess I guess the other aspect of that could be just imagine how large the corruption runs deep. Yeah, that's true. Right? Like you're talking about a country that has never seen a prime minister go full ter term, and the past three, four prime ministers before him, whether well, three times was Nawaz Sharif, who was a billionaire, was like super corrupt. Yeah. And then the other two prime ministers have been from his party, you know. So <laughs> yeah. it's it, it, there is there was there's a lot of corruption to deal with. And even now, like what since he got ousted and since like the, the opposition started to grow against him, what was his reasoning for it? He was like, hey, by the way, this is foreign meddling. 
And like yeah. to a lot of people who are against him just seems like a cop out. Like, no, look at inflation. First of all, the past three years we've been in a pandemic. Yeah. America's been struggling. Larger countries have been struggling. Imagine someone like Pakistan who deals with so it's so dependent on the larger countries for their trade and for um for their imports and exports. If they're struggling, Pakistan's struggling. So mm-hmm. I'm not saying he gets a pass on the economic struggles. Yeah. But he didn't get dealt a very good state. Mm-hmm. Then he got hit with COVID and yeah. he had to deal with all that. So it's always key to, you know, and people have made this point, you know, one man can only do so much. One person can only do so much. If you're existing in a corrupt system, you do have to abide by like the system as it's built. Yeah. And, and he's not removed from that. Any attempt to, I think legitimately, because like, he was legitimately concerned with the corruption and fighting back against it. Well, every time you, you pull on that string, they're going to bite back at you, yeah. you know? And that's why a lot of politicians, like in all parts of the world, including ours, it makes more sense for them to play safe and not really bite the hand that feeds you because like, well, if I want to stay in office, I have to play ball. We're going to talk about Ukraine and Russia for a second. Yeah, like for half a second. Yeah, but but I think it's, a, I think it's, it's very important, right? We all know what's happening in Ukraine and Russia. We all know where the West stands, where NATO stands, where EU stands. And if you don't, go watch our episode on Yes, 38, I think Boom. it was. 36, there it is. I don't know. 36. One of them. Yeah. Go watch it. So, right as Russia invaded Ukraine, mm-hmm. Imran Khan went to see Putin. Now, granted, this was already scheduled. This had nothing to do yeah. with it. He was already planning on doing that. So, it was unfortunate timing, but he went. He said... Obviously, what's happening is tragic, but I'm not interested in like siding with anybody or ascribing blame. He, yeah, he he basically said that war is not good for either side. Yeah, and he didn't make a hard. It was a very soft stance on what was happening, but he did not point the finger at you uh, at Russia. But he did say what's happening in the what in what's happening in Ukraine is not. Yeah, for the regular people, right. it's yeah. bad, right? And to that point, when the UN made a vote condemning Russia. Pakistan was one of the countries that abstained from that vote. Pakistan, India, China, Mongolia, I think. And other countries, Cuba. Yeah. Tends to be more of like the non-Western aligned. Right. Broadly But I mentioned those countries because they're that, that like, this is a geopolitical aspect to it, right? It's not like morality to it. This is all geopolitics right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So when Imran Khan met with Putin, I don't know if it was specifically that meeting, but in general since then, they've been making arrangements for Pakistan to start buying Russian oil mm-hmm. to start buying Russian wheat. Uh, you know, shift elements of their economy and their import economy more towards Russia. And I think, okay, not not Pakistan, but to give also an example of this is that Russian weapons are now being more sold to China compared to like American weapons. For example. Yeah. There is a global trend because so far the U.S. dollar has been the heavyweight champion mm-hmm. for the past 30 years, yeah. right? Since the gold standard, pretty much after the gold well, standard switch, after right? like the dissolution of like the Soviet Union, we now live like in a unipolar world. Meaning, right. like America calls all the shots. Yeah. We're now at a point, and I think people overstate this a little bit, but Russia and China, in particular, more so China, are kind of putting some weight back on, yeah. and they can now offer incentives to because all the countries, like in Pakistan included are reliant on the U.S., are reliant on the West, and Imran Khan's been very staunch about that. He doesn't like that. Yeah. He doesn't like that the that the Pakistani government is basically a 
proxy for U.S. capital interest. It's a it's a vessel state. That's it, what they call it, yeah. right? Like he like that's one of the major things that, again, with corruption, he wasn't just talking about corruption within exactly. Pakistan. He was talking about corruption by way of foreign meddling, West's meddling, yeah. specifically United States meddling. He talked like let's let's touch upon um, the letter that the United or sorry not the United Nations, um, European Union and NATO sent to Pakistan. Yes. Yeah, so what happened was Imran Khan had a big speech mm-hmm. when they announced that a no confidence vote would be happening, and uh, he said, "I have on good authority." That there's foreign meddling, that there's money from foreign governments being injected in here to make this coup happen. Right. And people obviously were like, all right, this seems like you're being a sore loser. Like, oh, there's foreign meddling. I'm getting kicked out, right? And then he said, okay, the country I'm talking about is the United States. Mm -hmm. And I have a letter from them. The letter is sent from Donald Liu. Donald Liu is the Assistant Secretary of State to the South Asian Bureau in the Department of State, right? And so... Because it's like a diplomatic, like official document, we as the regular people don't get to see it. But he did show the minutes, like the summary of it, the official diplomatic minutes to his cabinet. Mm-hmm. And then journalists in Pakistan, and it may be international journalists, also got to see those minutes to some extent. So I think most people are pretty clear that like, cables is legit. Yeah. And basically what the summary is, is that Donald Liu, again, Assistant Secretary of State, sent to Pakistan on behalf of, you know, the U.S. government, mm-hmm. that... Biden and the U.S. were very annoyed and unhappy with Iran Khan going to Russia. Yeah, his meeting. And then there was also a speech that I saw, which ta- which is like perfectly in, in line with what you were saying, is that he said that the EU and NATO sent them another letter or basically saying, you need to condemn Russia. Right, right. And he was like, literally his words were, what are we, your slaves? Yeah. That what you that what you say, we just fall in line to do. He was like, "Where was this? This is this is where like I'm 100 percent on with him." He was like, "Where was this when India attacked Kashmir? Yeah. Where was where was the outcry? Where was like the con- condemnation of uh, of India? He was like, so you're not gonna play this this mind game with Imran Khan, whose morals are very stern mm-hmm. and in line with what he wants to do. So that's why." He was like, no, I'm not going to do that. And instead, like you said, after their meeting, he went and whereas we're in a contract to buy Russian oil and wheat. And that why would the United States want that? Yeah. You know what I mean? They don't like that. This is and this 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 whole this gives his point of Russian metal or sorry, not Russian meddling. Wow, propaganda coming. Look on at me. you. Look at me. I'm Look being at you. brainwashed. United States and Western meddling in Pakistan is that Let's let's look at what we've talked about, right? There, Pakistan has not had one prime minister finish term. It's always been unstable. Economies heavily militarily dependent, and their military is by way dependent with from foreign aid. Yeah, which I mean, think about like the okay, think about how often when you have clothes or hats or whatever, yeah. right? You look at the tag made in Pakistan, yeah. right? A lot of Pakistan's economy and labor force is built around creating production for. Western countries. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is not unique to Pakistan. This is very common for most of the developing world, however you want to phrase it, global south, developing world, third world countries. Their economy is not designed to suit their needs. No. Their economy is designed to suit the needs of like Western multinational corporations. Like we want cheap labor, so we're going to get it from you. Um, speaking to what you said about the military as well, though, there's also this issue of notification gate. Mm-hmm. Pakistan's military chief, General... Kamar Bajwa basically 
had a very pro-Ukrainian standpoint Mm -hmm. and was urging that Pakistan do something to condemn Russia and to build a formal relationship with the U.S. And he expressed, like, oh, we've always had a very good working relationship with the United States. Right. Right? This is the general, like, the head, head, head general of Pakistan. 80,000 dead Pakistanis by way of what we've done in (laughs) Afghanistan. But, yeah, go ahead. We'll go off. And, you know, he's obviously standing, saying this in contrast to Imran Khan, who theoretically is like the prime minister. There is a disconnect there, right? And so there was a huge issue where people were worried that Imran Khan would denotify Kamar Bajwa. Mm-hmm. Basically, in, in Pakistan, like, notification, denotification, basically saying, like, appointing or deappointing, yeah. right? And so a Pakistani high, I think in the Islamabad high court, had to get in there and say, you can't denotify him. I don't know how realistic, like, if Imran Khan was actually going to do that. Yeah. But more so that story is important to point out that the military, the Pakistan military, is, like, the head, the call shotter, right? Yeah. I think what most people have kind of figured and, and gathered from the situation is that the reason Imran Khan was able to get ousted was because he lost favor with the the military. Yeah. Had he still, like, been... Because he was, like, even though he was cutting defense spending to an, an extent, a lot... He had, like, good working relationships with higher-ups in the military. Yeah. And now he's, like, lost, and now they've become more neutral. I want to touch right back on that earlier point about how the military is super important in Pakistan. I mean, the fact is that I think, what, half of the Pakistan history has been, like, under rule of, like, their military, like, someone yeah. from, like, their like a general has been prime minister or something like that, right? I think in 2020 and 2021, the military budget was $78 billion, right? Which is still a lot for like that, yeah. that sized country. I mean, they're a nuclear country. So that's, that's a lot of money. And Imran Khan had basically was like, you know what? Like, I'm going to decrease military budget because we want to focus on more socialistic things, you know, like help the society a little bit more. Obviously, I think that's part of the reason why the military was like, oh, let's yeah. not do that. In 2018... I think it's really, really important to note that when the Trump administration was still in power here, they had basically withheld about for like the first half of the year it was around three hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm. They were saying that, hey, we're not we're going to withhold this funding to Pakistan because Pakistan's not playing ball how we want them to in regards to Afghanistan and Taliban, like going after that a little bit harder. So they started holding that money. I think, yeah, I think it's like $14 billion that the United States has given Pakistan within the, within the past like couple of years. Compare that to a $78 billion budget. That's more than 10% yeah. of their budget. And that is exactly what Imran Khan is trying to do is get the reliance of Pakistan to get away from West. Because yeah. as long as the West controls and essentially controls the military budget like mm-hmm. is giving us 15 20 billion dollars a year and then saying hey no 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 we're going to we'll, we'll withhold if you don't be harder on this or be more in line with us yeah. why would why would he want that you know so Imran Khan wanted to, to go away from it and by way of that obviously started losing interest from the military because they yeah. want more money they that's why they want to be more aligned with the west i mean the it's best example of a us sponsored military coup would be i think in what 1979 when uh the first was president he got ousted by his general zeal huck who was literally working with the cia and the u.s military uh in regards to like afghanistan yeah because um zulfikar ali butto was like you know what i've helped you guys enough in afghanistan i don't want to do this anymore he started pulling away they up they they throw money behind uh 
the other Huck. And Huck gets in power and then later hangs Widow. Yeah. So this is, this is, I was talking to my dad about this, right? Because my dad's a journalist and he is literally like very ingrained in Pakistani politics went back when he was in Pakistan. Not so much anymore, but he still keeps up. And I, and I was explaining a lot of this other, like what we've been basically talking about. I'm like, dad, this is, this is a playbook. Yeah. This is, you have a prime minister who is becoming more cozy with Russia. Two, not willing to play ball with the West anymore because he wants to end United States hegemony in that region. Yeah. And three, actually has like a very big popular support. Like we said, 174 was the number. He They barely scraped by to get him out, even in the parliament. But mm-hmm. like the people of Pakistan, he still has a very large support. Especially amongst the youth. Especially amongst the youth. That is, you're not, that is a perfect, everything combined together into one person that the United States does not want yeah. in a nuclear power. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at that, this exact same story in other parts of the world, Latin America, Africa, you can find this exact same thread line. It's the same point. With, uh, let's see, Salvador Allende, Patrice Lumumba. I mean, it goes on and on and on. This is, because I know, like, I've seen, there are some viral tweets that have gone around where people have made the points that, like, this is pretty clearly has elements of a U.S. back to at the very least, right? 110%. And then people go in there and they say, well, uh, that's a little bit delusional, don't you think? Like, how does America affect what a parliament does in its own country? Like, no, no, no. This is about... Who's in power? Who's in power? Who's responding to incentives of power? Mil- the military experts, the people in the, the military, and even higher-ups in Pakistani politics in general outside, outside of the military, have relationships to the west yeah even if like the west does not formally literally tell them go do this it's in their best interest to keep servicing the west absolutely so it, it you know you people need to like open their open your mind a little bit like yeah. like straight up open your like, third eye man this is gonna be one of those things where we're not gonna get hard concrete evidence about this maybe ever but if we do it'll in be like 25 years, years it'll be years the- down the road right and then people will be like wow that's so sad and crazy like no but the telltale signs are happening now they're always happening now. This happened with Bolivia. This happened with Venezuela. This happens like all the time yeah. and people don't ever want to Libya. see Libya. Libya. Libya is a prime example. Libya was Gaddafi. I, listen, I don't, I'm not that well versed in it, but I know Gaddafi one of was made, not nearly as bad as people made. It. I'm going to say no, it right now. Yeah. It, I think one of the main points Gaddafi wanted was a pan-African state. He wanted more yeah. of a autonomy between those African countries and less reliance on Europe and the yeah. West. And he was trying to create that. He was yeah. trying to create that across the Middle East and in Africa. Yeah. And look what happened to him. The second you start pulling away from the West and either try to become more self-sustaining or move towards Russia and China, who are the other potential superpowers, yeah. America will make sure to get you out and install a, a client leader in yeah. there. Just to, um, just to have their... Before you continue, mm-hmm. just to have their way. But also, like, you see... Uh, Take a step back. We Ukraine and Russia is under the microscope right now, right? Yeah. What was one of the first sanctions the United States spent on Russia? On their pipeline. All oh, right, right. They right, tried right. to get the, they tried to squeeze Russia's throat around their main export mm-hmm. because one, it's gonna you know, oligarchs, quote unquote, um, it's gonna hurt them and hurt, you know, by way hurt the people and put they're putting pressure on it. But they could have done anything else too, but they went after oil because one, the United States has their own interest. They want to be the supplier at yeah. some point. They have a large reserve. And it's and then they always have issues with China because China's always like skewing their numbers economically. But also didn't China just buy um Russian oil in rubles? Yeah. 
So a lot another, Saudi Arabia bought. Saudi did also. too. The ruble is growing in value, which the entire point of these uh, sanctions that America has been doing is in order to devalue the ruble mm-hmm. so that America is still relatively on top. But it's not working completely. And I don't want to like say like, oh, Russia has become the world's strongest power like in the next 10 years. No. That's not going to happen. But like that explains why America behaves the way it does. It does everything in interest of preserving its status as the strongest nation. Like when people say we live in the heart of empire, we... We as Americans literally live in the heart of empire. I always maintain this, and I know people got mad at us with the Ukraine episode. If you live in America, if you're American, you have far more of an obligation to know what your country is doing and how your country is involved in anything internationally. Yeah, none of this, and I don't like making this caveat because it's it's, it's like apologism, but I'll, I'll say it just to say it. None of this like means that like oh, foreign leaders, Putin. Uh, Imran Khan, Gaddafi are like perfect human beings. No, no, absolutely not. But the world is not a Marvel movie. It's no. not good and evil. It's yeah. ju- it's about competing interests and who has power to act on those interests. The fact is, America has by far the most power in the world. They can completely determine a country's uh, economic planning and military yeah. planning and political planning. Because Russia can't do that. No, and China, China's China's almost there because China's China will give there. out. China's kind of like the IMF, where they'll give out loans to other countries. Yeah, say like in Latin America, they'll be like, Africa, yeah, have they've loans. been doing that a lot. Yeah, and then they know that these countries are going to default on their loans, and then now they just have like blocks and blocks downtown and their main like industrial land, like right, like office buildings. They're like, yeah, this is actually ours now because we can't pay it back. And they're and that, well, actually, you know what though, with that. China's been offering much better rates on their loans than uh, to Africa than the IMF. Be- be- I mean, look at it, right? Yeah. Like that, they want to they want to have more of an influence in mm-hmm. the world. They want to gain, but also like when you were talking about how the United States has more the most influence around the world, that's hundred percent obvious. There's like that's without you can't, you a can't doubt. Avoid like this, yeah. not like you just look at the number, the sheer number of military bases around the world. I think the number was like over two hundred fifty military bases. Maybe more, more. Did you say two hundred fifty? Yeah, bro, it's like eight hundred. I don't know, but it was like I can't remember the number, but it was significantly more than like the next country who had like six military bases. Seven hundred fifty. Seven hundred fifty. Look, look at the next one. Look at the second country. Is there like a list that we can think of, or, or we can pull up? Look up Africom. A F R I C O M. It is a United States like military operation and intelligence gathering operation and development operation in Africa. It's insane, like what they're doing over there. And a lot of it is like supposed to like fight against China. And maybe if you, you might already know about these names and as such if you're like Pakistani or Indian. But uh, if you don't know, Benazir Bhutto was the daughter of Zulfikir Bhutto, who we mentioned before. Yeah. Um, no, she was granddaughter? No, no she was daughter. Daughter, that daughter, was right? Daughter. So Zulfikir Bhutto was the prime minister in like 1970s. And then we explain what happened, right? His daughter, Benazir Bhutto, became prime minister also. First female head of state in uh, the Muslim world, I think. Yeah. Um, and only female head of state in Pakistan and she gets a lot of recognition for that and she does have a reputation for being like really good yeah like like somebody like a people's champion whatever like have very liberal very liberal and all that Uh, and I think a lot of that comes from like being the first woman Mm -hmm. 
she's attached to like a kind of a political dynasty at this point so like that gets them out a little bit so when Cher and I were like getting prepped for this episode right we were talking about her and I said like oh I don't know if like her lineage is that good but I also like didn't know what I was like saying for sure I was uh-huh. like, just not super clear so Cher was giving me some pushback so like okay let me do some research pulled up some research looked up her stuff a little bit one of the things that I noticed and this it helps to like know these terms so that way you can like find these things right she was an adherent to Thatcherite economics yeah Margaret Thatcher was the uh, prime minister of Great Britain. And she basically, if you know, like trickle down economics. Yeah. Like with Reagan, Margaret Thatcher, like also was a huge advocate for that sponsor for that from like the, the UK side. And so what I was reading there was that like, oh, Benazir Bhutto really was a avid consumer of that belief system that she really wanted to like open up markets and all that stuff. Yeah. And so the thing that I took away from that was, like, if Benazir Bhutto had, like, more time to enact her, the policies that she wanted, assuming she could have, that would have made the country, like, even more, like, Pakistan even more dependent on the, the U.S. Because when you say free market economics, what you're yeah. talking about is the ability of, like, giant companies, all of which are in the West, mm. to inject capital and, like, factories and all that stuff and supply chains in these countries. Yeah. But there would have been a capital infusion. There would have been some benefits for sure. Those benefits would have been severely like limited to like the people the, who are already rich, the down people, yeah. But you know, like that's all. That's that's something worth noting. I don't necessarily want to say like, oh, that's something uniquely evil to Benazir Bhutto or anything, right? But I think the point I want to draw with that is that, like we said with Ibrahim Khan earlier, like one person cannot change a system; they are part mm-hmm. of a system. That is kind of the story of Pakistan to some extent. It it is like I, I don't want to like. The whole notion of, like, agency, of, like, oh, you're Pakistan is agency. It it does to an extent, but also, like, the people in power are responding to... They, they live in a world with foreign interests, right? Yeah. They can't not live in that world. Yeah. Uh, so, that's, like, it's always important to, like, think about things in, like, a global context mm-hmm. in any country, in any major political situation. If you're only looking at the story as an isolated incident, you are never going to fully understand what is happening. Yeah, because you were not going to get the, you're not going to get the nuanced takes. You're not going to get the, even, like, now, it was kind of hard to, sitting here, do a little bit more research. And, because, like, we're only being presented with the information that they want to present us yeah. right there they they do these specific like on ground um on ground interviews with taxi drivers with like normal normal everyday folk but they're always like they're they're only spitting out what they want to yeah. put out there right and i guess i i agree i think with benazi bordeaux thing i think she was much more socially progressive yeah, she yeah. did socially want to she, was. she wanted to progress pakistan in the way that the beacon of the world was like America, yeah. right? She wanted to, she wanted it to be like that. And would that have brought some benefits to Pakistan? Yes, it would have. I think it would have elevated Pakistani society. I think it would have like brought more technology and more advancements to it. But what we see here today, how Democrats are, where they're in in bed with corporations and they say that they want to be that they're doing good for the little guy, I think it would have been the same story yeah. in Pakistan where the pe- people at the bottom of the barrel... Like, that's what capitalism there, there is. There would have been pockets of development, like, in urban centers, but yes. then right around the everywhere else, it, I mean, it, it would have been exactly the same as it is now, but just, like, hyper-condensed. Yeah. What I'm, what I'm, I guess my point is that, like, Benazir Bhutto would not have really changed the trajectory of Pakistan based on, like, what I'm reading here. Yeah. Um, it's more so we're trying to push the idea of realizing that this stuff doesn't happen, always happen in, like, a vacuum. Exactly. There's much, much more broader and way more factors that influence these leaders yeah. and the people and their opinions. Examine systems 
not people. Yeah. And with that, Jesus, we are hitting 39 minutes. Uh, editing might take some of this down. Yeah. Okay. So I think we're done here. Yes. If you guys probably couldn't tell, we're fasting today again. Yeah. And so not uh, as many brain farts today. Not as many brain farts. I'm proud. A lot of pauses. Yeah. 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 But a uh, <laughs> lot, a lot of pauses. Y'all won't. Y'all won't. We'll we'll make a stream. We'll line. make sure you guys don't <laughs> see the pauses. Um, but we're doing better this time. So. You know, maybe we will hit four episodes this month. I feel maybe like we, we could will. do it. We might as well, right? We're meeting next week. We got. Yeah. We're trying to get some iftari plans going, so we might go to some nice halal spot and, yeah, we'll post about it most likely. Yeah, let's. We'll we'll try to get Imran Khan on, in within five episodes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll see what hub. we can do. Khan's hub, I tell. And with that, this has been episode forty-one of Hot Pocket. If you haven't already, like the show, share the show. Follow the show. Subscribe. Subscribe. Uh, do do the thing. You know, do everything you gotta do. Peace. Peace. What's wrong with being? What's wrong with being confident? Uh-huh. What's wrong with being? What's wrong with being? What's wrong?